Hello and welcome to the TIFO Football Podcast. England have won the tournament. No, they haven't won the tournament yet, but we are going to talk about uh, the first opening game win of their Euros ever, that England have ever had in the Euros. Uh, of course, over Croatia, 1-0. Um, but before we do that, let me tell you, I'm joined by Seb Stafford-Bloor. Yes, you are, Joe Devine. Hello, Hello, Seb. Hello, Joe. Have a nice day. I did indeed. Yes, a very long one, wasn't long, it? JJ yes. Bull also. I'm not allowed to look at you, though, am I? So I have to... <laughs> you I glad, know you're there. You're glad you, yeah. you do that. Yeah. Yeah. We're using some very directional microphones, listeners. So uh, there are some uh, some difficult rules in place, sometimes hard to follow. Talking to the mic uh, being one of them. <laughs> anyway, uh, before we get started today, let me remind you that if you're interested in football and you would like to read about football, uh, you should visit The Athletic, which I'm pretty confident in telling you is the best place to read about football online. Now, if you visit theathletic.com forward slash TIFO football, or just TIFO, actually, because this is the podcast, because that's how we split yeah. the things. Theathletic.com forward slash TIFO, you will find that you can uh, uh, get an offer of £1 per month for six months, which is an incredible offer, given the quality of the material available from notable writers such as Adam Crafton and David Ornstein, Ollie Kay, Amy Lawrence, et al. More and more. Uh, it's really, really fun. And also my personal favourite writer, Joey Derso. Joey Dyson is great. Very, very interesting writer. He's fantastic. Yeah. yeah. Anyway, that's uh, theathletic.com forward slash TIFO. So I hope you go and enjoy that. Uh, but without further ado, uh, I will leave you in the warm hands and the cool embrace of the Euros. Okay, let's begin uh, with uh, England 1 nil. Croatia. Um, and as I said before, this is apparently the first game ever that they've won that's a first game of theirs in the Euros. 1-0, uh, of course, with a lovely goal from Raheem Sterling, nicely created by Calvin Phillips. Bit of a surprise starter, I thought. I mean, I think I was wrong <laughs> with lots of stuff. But let's begin with the lineup. I was surprised to see Phillips. Uh, I was surprised to see that Sancho wasn't even on the bench, with Sterling starting a little bit less of a surprise, perhaps. No Grealish, I was a bit disappointed. Uh, and also Trippier at left-back, which... Had me, Seb, confused. Yeah, had a lot of other people very angry, Joe, because mm. after taking a million right-backs to the tournament to start it with a right-footed left-back, strange one. But it worked, it worked. And the Sterling one was interesting because I think we, between the three of us, the, when the team was announced, we sort of thought, well, that's quite negative. It's quite, it looks, I think I said, it looks like what would happen if a manager spent all week worrying about how another team could hurt you and then pick a team accordingly. But he got it right. Like I, the Sterling thing was really, really interesting because you, if you remember, before it all went uh, terribly, terribly, terribly bad in the World Cup semi-final, Raheem Sterling actually played very well against yeah. Croatia, against True. those players. Uh, frightened Vida a little bit at the back. And He's the was, most capped English player. He is, he is. I think that was his 64th, 65th cap. Um, and having that pitch-stretching pace worked really well. Obviously, he scored the goal, but he was also a nuisance. He was the one English forward player who kind of nagged at the the Croatian players, uh, you know, high up the pitch. Yeah, you know, a few tackles. He was a nuisance. He was he he was a disruptor. Yeah. Um, and well done, Gareth Southgate, I guess. I guess, yeah. I mean, that's the overwhelming thing, isn't it? I think maybe lots of people are thinking today, Gareth Southgate maybe knows more about managing the England possibly, team than I do. Possibly, possibly. I might certainly true. Yes. Yeah, certainly true for me. I think, I mean, we'll come back to talk about that because my main surprise around Raheem Sterling was not that 
he's obviously is a fantastic player. But when there is such quality in those forward wide areas, mm-hmm. I was a little surprised to see him play uh, the first game. We'll come back to that though, because the the player I would like to start talking about with you, JJ, is uh, Calvin Phillips, England's hero and best player of all time. <laughs> yeah, he. Uh, I thought it was um, the runs he was making forward were really clever, and so you had Declan Rice was in the centre of the midfield. Um, and Mount was like an eight, but also a ten, and also dropping into wide spaces. Yeah. And then Phillips kept making these forward runs. It's almost like yeah, I've not seen him do that before because at least you think he's going to yeah. sit and be the six, right? Yeah. And kind of spray long passes. That's what I thought the idea would be. But instead, he was he was joining. He was starting the press quite early. He was joining that, and then like the run he makes for the actual goal is really important. Um, and we covered that in a video that we released on Tifo IRL. Mm. Out now. YouTube channel. Out now. Available on all YouTube. Uh, no, all of YouTube. YouTube's. All of the YouTube's. Yeah, all, yeah. all of them. It's there. You know what's really interesting? I don't think I've seen, I've seen obviously very little of Calvin Phillips in an England shirt, but I don't think I've seen him perform that role either, whether he does it for his club side or not. It's not something that Gareth Southgate seems to have asked him to have done before. Unless, I unless think I've misremembered. It, I think it was a bit... A mixture of him, as I said, being perhaps a little bit of a surprise uh, starter. Croatia, understandably expecting Mason Mount to be doing most of the things that Calvin Phillips was doing. And also him being having more space as a result of how the left-hand side or the, England's left flank was really overloaded at times. Yeah. But he just had space to walk into. And I think that the best thing about him in this game is that he took it. Whether or not yeah. that was part of the plan, and it looks like it was from watching the game, if it wasn't, to recognise that the space was there. You know, his his fantastic assist uh, for the Sterling goal came from him carrying the ball, and that particularly is something that we haven't really seen him do that much before. Yeah, what's interesting, Joe, is if you think about the players he was matched up against, like, first and foremost, Modric, of course, but Kovacic and Brozovic, like, there's a Ballon d'Or winner in there, someone who's won a couple of European Cups, more than a couple of European Cups. That's a pretty esteemed group of players to, I think... I don't know, I'm, I've never played professional football, so what would I know? But it seems like to stride forward with the ball in that situation, to actually affect a game, have to have a bit of ego. Mm. Like first game of a, of a tournament, you're in your own country at Wembley, awful lot of pressure, and against a very, very decent side, it's really impressive if you think about the kind of the intangible qualities you've got to do to play like that. Well, you were telling me that you had read an Adam Crafton piece uh, about Bielsa and they were, they were referencing it in relation to Phillips earlier, right? Because yeah. I imagine he gets a little bit of his ego from there. Yeah, well, he might do. I mean, maybe we should have used this in the, the athletic plug because it really is excellent. So when um, when Marcelo Bielsa first turned up at Leeds, he took a liking to Calvin Phillips, but he um, obviously is quite an obsessive character, very um, kind of... Uh, yeah, obsessive coach Bielsa, but he um, he was very strict with with Phillips. He wanted to kind of implement a new physical um, conditioning regime, very strict over body fat, nutrition, diet. Also, what was interesting to me is he um, apparently uh, Bielsa before every game that Leeds play, he has little fifteen minute slots for every player that he's he's picked in his squad. So he goes through, he presumably refreshes everything they prepared for that week, and say, right, this is this is your job, this is your marking. Well, just at some for all of them at some point in the Each week. Each one of them, it's like a sort of a little fifteen minute block that right, this is your time, this is your time, this is your time. And apparently, um, I, I don't want to spoil too much of the article because people really should go and read it. It's really terrific. But it's um, with Phillips, apparently, um, every now and again, Bielsa has two different sessions for Calvin Phillips. Um, is that a good it, or a bad thing? It probably, at different times, depending on how the team's playing, it's probably both. Yeah. Um, but you could make the argument. And, and obviously, the one thing you associate with Bielsa is fitness, almost kind of maniacal fitness. And you look at today's performance, baking hot day, um, Phillips playing like a kind of almost like a, a proper eight. 
um, was effective without the ball deep in his own half. Obviously won the game really with that kind of meander up to the, the Croatian penalty box. And you think Sky has an engine. It's 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 nice. It's like you can kind of trace the uh, the roots back to this little England win all the way back to Bielsa's appointment at Leeds. Possibly, it's interesting. It's also it's an amazing transformation if you consider where Calvin Phillips was, um, which was you know, I mean, a, a championship player and not someone that was established as a championship player to where he is now. That's an amazing rise. It's and pretty exciting. Got to credit a coach for that. And yeah. the player, and the player, of course. But I like it. Yeah. I like it. Read the article, Joe. Yeah. Well, actually, John Spark, who's watching us live on YouTube, said, I read this article and it was a fantastic read. Thanks, sure John. Yeah. <laughs> That's useful for us. Uh, anyway, the other thing I wanted to say about Calvin Phillips, JJ, was that when, and Seb referenced before that when we saw the lineup, it, it had a, feeling of a little bit of negativity about it or pessimism maybe uh that was obviously wrong because instantly what we saw was that um calvin phillips played a lot higher up than declan rice did who was sat in front of the mm. the, the back four um and was uh, you know shielding the defense uh, he also had a good game alex uh, was tweeting about it earlier from his, from his home saying the amount of scanning that declan rice does mm. is brilliant to watch you know and i think we've noticed that with him playing with west ham too that to me, after watching that performance, it seems like a really good partnership for what they're doing. Do, does Declan Rice have to worry when Jordan Henderson gets back to fitness? Like, what do, I mean, that's presumably might create a problem after such a strong start to the tournament. Uh, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's a good answer. That's a good question. Henderson's probably not going to be fit enough to to play really easy, and Henderson gives you. But what Henderson brings maybe isn't the. The best, I'd say Phillips is probably a better footballer than him, but Henderson has won the Champions League and the league. Yeah. And you want players like that in your team because often it isn't just about the tactical setup, it is about. Just getting into the latest stages. Right? It's, it's just what you need to players who you can rely on, who are determined to who never give up. Uh, and that's something that you might get from Henderson. I think, I wonder with, with Phillips, one of the reasons they were making these runs where he was. Uh, you know, moving from midfield into the higher areas, into where they knew the space would be, is because Southgate thought there's no way Croatia will think he'll do that. Yeah. So they got to figure it out in game, and by the time they figured out he's doing it in game, yeah. uh, they've already scored. So it could be that is one of the reasons that they tried it out. It might not be. It might just be that the player himself has worked out that's where it was. Yeah. Like when we saw Phil Foden start moving away from the right wing inside, because Walker realised he could come up and start doing that. That allowed Foden to come and start wandering, and they got overloads in different parts of the pitch. I wonder how much of that is uh, Southgate tell them, at the 64th minute, you're going to start wandering around. <laughs> how much is that? They just realise they can do it. You might yeah. not put it past him. Gareth Southgate, to me, seems like a manager who outside of international tournaments, I go, eh. And then in the tournament, I go, yeah, he's great. He knows exactly yeah. what he's doing. Every single individual small decision has been made uh, meticulously by him. Um, do, you know what, well, do you know what I like, though? Because I the Henderson issue is... is complicated potentially because it always makes me nervous when England think when you think England are gonna kind of I don't know cram a, a slightly unfit player back into their starting 11 mm. just because that feels like the right thing to do well we'll talk about Tyrone Mings as well in a bit we will do but Southgate to me feels like someone that won't that is able to resist that urge who will who is shown in the past right yeah. you are fit you are the best player for he's the a system. manager who chose this lineup for this he's game a man, he can no, do no better he wants, no right? better example than that exactly yeah. joe and you think okay i i have huge amount of admiration for jordan henson at his best he's a terrific player he's an asset special person mbe now congratulations jordan mm. uh but if you if you put someone in right in the middle of a tournament when a team has a kind of formative chemistry tonight it feels like that's a kind of um act of self-harm it's not a it's yeah but Southgate, I think, has got a strong enough personality to to resist that, which is great. 
Well, speaking of experience, as we said, England's most capped player, Raheem Sterling. That seems, it makes me feel hilariously old. Uh, this was his 15th uh, England goal, 62nd cap, apparently. Um, JJ, we made a video about this too, which uh, you can go and um, watch on, on YouTube as we reference. But why was he the right choice? Sterling, so I think the problem you've got playing Croatia is they have that midfield, like said, between Modric, Brozovic and Kovacic. They're really good in the ball. They're not going to lose the ball. They can pass through you. There are some moves they made during the game where you could see that you just can't really prevent them playing the way they want to play. So... There's no point trying to take them on in the midfield. And uh, the way Croatia are going to play is push up a little bit as they move up the pitch. So the space is going to be behind probably the fullbacks, like Versalco on the right, um, and just behind the actual defensive line. So when you have Sterling making runs from out to in, right from the left wing position, in behind the the defence, like he does for Manchester City, it means you can hit those longer balls so Mings can hit it straight over the top. If you put it into midfield, suddenly you're in a battle and if you lose the ball, then those boys at Croatia will just start pinging it about and win control of the game. You can't really win that battle. So you've got Rice protecting the back four and the four didn't really, until later on in the game, get out of their, their shape. They largely stayed back and let, let the forwards deal with the attacking bit of the game and the defence stayed kind of back and you might think well that's quite a negative way to do it but they won the game largely kept it quiet and and not didn't kill it but just there wasn't I mean Croatia offered nothing and it could be because they had no pace um, uh, just no nothing really in the way of like power were they, were they managed or, out of the game a bit I, I, uh, was that unfair I think I think England were decent they were set up to kind of make it difficult for Croatia to play so the way they wanted to play they couldn't really do it but also Croatia just weren't very good really no we're going to come to talk about that. Yeah. I thought that too. I, mean, yeah. I would think that, but we'll mention it. Before we do, though, let's talk about Tyrone Meng, Seb. Yeah. Uh, because he was another... It wasn't, it wasn't um, a huge surprise to see him playing necessarily in, in the four. Uh, Harry Maguire is, uh, was injured and, and unavailable for selection today. There were some worries, I suppose, like Tyrone Mings, uh, to some people, has a mistake in him, right? Yes. And this is, a, is, is by far like, the highest level he will have ever played. And he was amazing, I thought. Like, he was extremely solid. Uh, he did everything that I would want an England centre-back to do in this game. And he was also very progressive with, um, yeah. with his challenges. So he didn't wait for players to come to him. He was snapped into the tackle, as they say. Oh, I'm all excited. Yeah, it's interesting. And also, the, the fear wasn't um, unfounded because he didn't have a great end of the season with Villa. He had that really strange moment in the preparatory friendly when he seemed to sort of half headbutt, half charge, sort of head down into into a centre forward. Very, very strange. Uh -huh. But he was great. I, I think the the um, the temptation, when you have a when you have a, a centre back pairing like Stones and Mings, you think one of them's gonna be progressive, one of them's gonna be slightly more negative, slightly more reticent. And with good reason, because it's there's a nice balance to that. But I thought he was he stepped out of defence well. His long range passing was very good. Part of you know keeping that Croatian defence honest was his kind of raking balls over the top for Sterling to defend. I think the thing I liked about him though was the only I mean and this might go to the heart of what was disappointing about Croatia is not a lot of pace but quite a lot of muscle at the top of that uh, that sort of um, at that formation. And so when you match up a Tyrone Mings against Anti Rebic, that makes me feel a little bit safer. He's not going to run over the top of Tyrone Mings. He's going to kind of it's going to be a kind of granite on granite kind of situation. And he did great. Like we talked about Calvin Phillips and him being under pressure. But if you're a footballer, I've often thought you must be, you can stay off social media and you can not read the paper. But if you make mistakes 
then you know full well what the chatter around you is. You know, people are going to be, you know, right, you're a liability, you can't do this, you shouldn't be in this team. And the pressure you've got to feel in that situation, particularly as a centre-half, it's got to be enormous. And he did brilliantly. He did great. I'm not trying to uh, present him as a, as a kind of a new Bobby Moore or anything. I just, it's it's really nice to see an English England player meet expectation. Yeah. Um, and also, actually, another little sort of hat tip to Southgate, an England player in that situation going out and probably doing the role that was designed for him. He's, he's, he's feeling, he's kind of, he's being, he's the solution for a problem England might have had. And that was great. Yeah. Uh, there's lots of uh, talk in the, uh, in the live chat on YouTube about uh, Mings and Stones. And a man 24 uh, says that they think Stones was also really good today. Uh, everyone's focusing on Mings, Mings because they thought he would be bad. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, I guess we should say John Stones, as expected, did a good game. Um, are England going to win the tournament, JJ? No. Are England going to win the tournament, he's Seb? Such a, he's, he's a joy thief. <laughs> he spent all day kind of chiseling away Stealing at our enthusiasm. And, I was buzzing know, when I came in. When I celebrated England goal, he glared at me, Joe, like he was sort of, you know, just, you know didn't like it at all. Anyway, well, this is your opportunity <laughs> to say, yes, they are going to win the tournament. Oh, uh, James Wilson says, uh, Calvin Phillips, best player ever, question mark? Possibly. Well, possibly. There we go. It was a strange moment to read that out but uh, you've done it now and yep. we can't take it, it back because we, it's we, we, we're adjusting are to the they going to win the tournament Seb I hope so Joe I think they will I don't think they will you but don't. I'm very excited no, the thing is I want to say that because I went round very proudly last week telling people they're going to lose to Croatia come on if you think anything otherwise and then they won so I feel like if I'm extra negative all the time maybe they'll win just to prove me wrong uh, and also proving me wrong, Croatia, who were rubbish. Uh, very disappointed with them. I was expecting more. I thought it would be fun to watch Croatia. Uh, we had a weird conversation about this uh, towards the end of the second half uh, where we had slightly differing views or takes, I guess, on what we thought Croatia had or hadn't managed during the game. But I think we all agreed that they hadn't really offered anything. And the XG uh, sort of uh, shows that too. Uh, the XG, XG the, the game was a 1.7, 1.47, sorry, to, to England. Uh, a number of reasonable chances, mm -hmm. I would say, uh, including that Harry Kane one, which I was surprised a little bit that he did miss, um, and 0 0.53 to uh, to Croatia, who, even though uh, even though possession wasn't hugely split and um, England, uh, outside of those, you know, kind of 75% good chances, the three that they had, didn't look to offer any obvious scoring chances, Croatia just didn't have anything. I mean, like... I felt like that could that would either have been a nil-nil or England would won. I can't see any scenario in which Croatia win that game yeah, based you, on that performance. You were strangely confident going into injury time. I was. You, you at one point told me to stop putting my hands on my head because sure. I was making you feel nervous. But also, I just couldn't see them scoring a goal. Yeah, it reminded me a little bit of Roy Hodgson's England in 2014, where a lot of ball, a lot of technical players had Rooney in that awful, awful central midfield role, which just drained the life out of England and all, all it was was sort of a, a million lofted high balls out to the touchline again and again but there was never any penetration there was never a point in which Stones or Mings got turned around neither of the fullbacks ever looked like they were struggling and I don't know I think I think Croatia's failure was really to you know not to provide any kind of examination of England because there are weaknesses in that team we're, we're only kind of joking with our kind of sort of um you know overpraise but 
you'd think, right, Pickford hasn't had a great season. Mings hasn't had a great season. Stones' career is in recovery, but, you know, there's a mistake in him. Trippier's out of position. Carl Walker, um, great at many things, has a mistake in him. And there was never a point in which England looked in trouble, which is kind of damning, I'd say. Yeah, I mean, I, it's difficult to take or say based on one performance, JJ, but how do you see them faring throughout the rest of the group? Croatia? Yeah. Uh, I think they'll dominate the ball against Scotland and might win that one. And Czech Republic, they should beat. Yeah. And because every team goes through now, because everyone's a winner yeah. in the I tournament. I quite like Scotland against Croatia. There's something about the kind of, there's a little bit of verticality in that team. Like I just, I don't know, you could see them being a little bit rattled by it. Yeah, I, well, I mean, the only one you're worried about in behind is uh, Paris. It's really the only one with any real like acceleration pace. Yeah. Um, I, I, I don't know why I should have found this out. I don't know why Borna Barisic wasn't in the squad, let alone starting at left back. Must be a reason he's not there. Um, but they missed that. The fullbacks never got forward, really. Yeah. And I thought Versalco looked like he was in an awful panic at the start of the game. So when other players were trying to pass out from the back, he was just clipping it forward every single time, almost to get rid, like he didn't want to be involved in that. And I think that's maybe where their weakness was. If they had the left back, so they played Guardiol uh, at left back. Who's more of a he's more of a ball playing centre back in the seems to be, and Barisic would have given you real width on there, so Perisic could have moved more inside as a bit more of a central threat. I just it's a lack of pace that I'd noticed from Croatia. They couldn't really do much at all with the ball. Do you remember? I mean, it feels like about a week ago now, but do you remember when we were talking this morning about Vasalko and how he, I think he'd only played thirty uh, games in all competitions yeah. since the twenty eighteen World Cup. He looked like that. It looked like he'd, he'd barely played, and not in a good sharp. way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's just because you think, you know, objective A for Croatia would have been to create a few overlaps around Trippier. I mean, we, we were led to believe that he was included to restrict crosses and for his one-on-one defensive ability in his set pieces. So surely you get players around him and you unsettle him with numbers. Mm. And Asalka was nowhere really. It was strange. It was odd. Yeah, didn't get up. Here's a question. You know, with international tournaments, how they pick the groups quite far in advance, yeah. right? Mm. And then managers have nothing to do because it's not a real job. Yeah. Presumably, like, this is why the first like group games in these tournaments are always are fascinating tactical battles. Because Gareth Southgate has presumably... Like, this, is the, this is theoretically the hardest game for England, this tournament. Uh, th- th- in the group. Yes, Sorry. yes, yes. And he's had months to yeah. plan mm-hmm. for the game... He's had months to analyse Croatia. He probably knows, you know, injuries aside, who's going to play. This game plan, as we as we saw, as evidence in the performance today, uh, where they sort of played over and around the midfield and didn't allow Croatia to do anything with any of their good players. That seems to have been meticulously chiselled into a, a fine piece of artwork over the course of maybe four months. It, it, am I seeing that because he's had so much time to prepare? Are we going to see a, a change as we enter, hopefully, the the knockout rounds because there is less time to prepare for those sorts of games as opposed to, you know, Premier League games where you've only got a few days to prepare for the, for the next one by the time it comes around. Yeah. It, do you know what I mean? Like yeah, it's a I very do. different approach to this. Yeah. I, I mean, I, I wonder whether actually during the course of a sort of a, a club season or at least before an international tournament starts, you probably as an international manager have more opportunity to think yourselves 
into a bit of a cul-de-sac. You just don't have the training opportunities. You just don't have the training opportunities. So you, you kind of, you're in this world where it's all theory and good ideas and, yeah. you know, it's two o'clock in the morning and you're having coffee in your kitchen and you think, oh, no, I'll play like a back two with, a, you know, that kind of situation. I'll get them on the flanks. You know, and, you know, we'll, we'll, play, we'll play five right backs and it will work and, and I'll, yeah. you know, I'll, 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 I'll bring Michael Carrick out of retirement and put him in central midfield. Like and I'll all, get knighted. Everything sounds good, yeah. doesn't it? Um, so it's got to be really tricky. Yeah. I like it. I wonder what you do as an international manager. Like if, if it's sort of... I think you just swan around mostly, don't you? You go to a lot of games. Like you, but yeah. you must... When, when, whenever you see... Whenever like on Match of the Day, you see right at the beginning, oh, and Gareth Southgate is at the game today and he's watching, you know, Ross Barkley. You think, okay, but like what happens, you know, Ross Barkley gets subbed off and then you go home and, you know, you maybe you log your notes into your... Well, they just realised early Google that working Doc. from home is really great. Yeah. So <laughs> that's what all these they were ahead of their time. Yeah, they're yeah. like influencers. They don't really do anything yet. <laughs> are incredibly influential. Like, how is that? Yeah. Here's a good question, actually. We'll move on shortly. I know, sorry, we've talked about England for a long time. Here's a good question from Robert Wood, though, in the live chat. Um, Kane was anonymous. Why is that? Now, we talked about this during the game. And I believe, JJ, that we said actually took up many of the same positions that he takes up for Spurs. Yeah. And he played his part in the goal as well. He just didn't touch the ball. Yeah. Kane being there is a huge... It pushes the creation backline back when you need it to to create space for other people. He'll drop in. It'll take other people with him. It's because he's really good. He's Like, just because you're a striker and you're not getting the ball doesn't mean you're not doing anything... Uh, like you're not having a, or you're having a bad game. Doesn't mean you start dropping into the midfield to get the ball, because then suddenly you don't have someone up top, and then their defensive line can push right up and squeeze you in. So Kane's just not got players around him giving him the ball where he needs it to be. He's going to run in behind the line because they're. I mean, this is the thing. So he's pushing them back. That means the line's quite deep, so he can't really run in behind. But then they're looking for the balls over the top, wide to Sterling and to maybe to Foden as well. And uh, which you're only on because Kane's taking occupying the centre backs, right? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, yeah, Robert Wood. You could say he could do more, but I mean, I don't know what, what really is Kane's meant to do other than what Kane normally does. Well, he did. As we said, he made the space for the goal, did exactly what he was supposed to. He almost scored. Do you find, do you find the commentary around him a little bit odd, JJ? The Just before the tournament, you just get this sort of barrage of, why isn't he just charging into the box? Like an old fashioned number nine. Like, it's just like, <laughs> like it's the like hurricane people, he is. He looks like, a, like Alan Shearer, basically, the way he's built. But so pe you think people have that. just got, come off the back of eight months of Premier League season where Kane has um, made, been consistently productive by dropping into a very specific area of the pitch. And mm. like he's an extension of a team. Like the, the key to someone like that is to build the pieces around him. So surely you take as much advantage of his range of abilities as possible. And is everyone kind of thinking, like, portraying him as, as if he's like Lee Chapman? Right, back post, back post, back post, back post. You know, it's just like you're, it's like you're, people are inviting, people are asking Gareth Southgate to limit Kane's effect on a tournament. Well, a lot of what you do is, it's not literally on the ball, it's what you do out of it, out of possession and how you drag players around to create space for other people. Like you won't notice it till you're looking just at Kane to see what yeah. he's doing. Occupying players, making runs off the ball. Like he was fundamental in Sterling's goal. Yeah. Because Kane is not involved really at all, but he, he comes across to the, the right of the pitch, which drags the two centre-backs over, which leaves space between Versalco and the right centre-back, who was Vida, I think. Yeah. So then Sterling could run through that space. So Kane, no real involvement, but actually fundamental to how that goal is, is scored. Unselfish, too, because yeah, yeah. he knows he's not scoring from that position. He knows he's not getting the ball either. It's just a smart forwards run that you don't, like, if you don't, without watching a replay and probably without having an analyst pointed out, you don't notice the kind yeah. of the dragging effect. But it was uh, Kane's super for England consistently like he you know it's uh it's a strange kind of criticism but can he score a bicycle kick 
<sighs> might make the ground shake a little bit because he's a bit of a unit, isn't he? But yeah, maybe. Maybe. Real footballer to score a bicycle kick. <laughs> One more question. I know I said that. One more question. I'm lying. What do we make of the Sancho omission? Somebody asked that in the chat. I'm sorry, I can't remember whose name that is, but um, it's a good question. A uh, little bit conflicted because I want to... I love Jaden Sancho. He's fabulous, brilliant player, and I want to see the best of him in an England shirt. However, mm. um, I'm a little bit tantalised by the idea of a fresh Jaden Sancho having an effect if and when England get out of the group. Not even on the subs bench, though. That was a little bit strange. I feel like maybe we're missing a bit of information there. There might be a sort of a lack of fitness <laughs> or... <laughs> I, you know what? I, I think it comes, the Sterling thing, we, we've done Sterling a little bit, but I think maybe what, what keeps what keeps, get, what keeps picking him ahead of, uh, what keeps getting him selected ahead of Jaden Sancho is trust and faith and the relationship between Southgate and Sterling. You've got to stop giggling. Sorry. You've got to stop giggling. It's live. Listen, listen. I can't carry listen, you. Hold You've on, hold giggling. on. That's it for England now. Come on, come on, come on. We've talked about England enough. He probably knew he wanted to play Foden. He knew he was going to play Foden there. Yeah. Yeah. And he also had Rashford. He wanted to play Rashford. And the most likely True. thing to do would be to play him. And So you just think, well, I'm going to use these boys for this game. Yeah, so. somebody's got to stay in the ground. You know, yeah. what are you going to do? Anyway, uh, that's all uh, on England. Um, we'll be back in just a minute. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com courtside to learn more. We're back. And we're going to talk about Austria and uh, North Macedonia. Austria 3 one North Macedonia. Of course, the best moment of the game was clearly uh, Goran Pandev's little chest wiggle celebration uh, as uh, he scored a goal. I love that. That was probably... It's going to be difficult to top that, I would say, for the rest of the entire tournament. Austria, though, JJ, had a good game. Decisive moment was, of course, uh, David Alaba's cross for the uh, Grigoric goal. And uh, it's an interesting issue, isn't it, when your most creative player is also your centre-back. Well, they want to play him in every single position on the pitch, really, but they, mm. they, they can't do 11 it. Alibas. Yeah. I'd take that. Well, even, even in goal? That doesn't matter. It's a silly question. I'm going to go ahead and talk about David Alaba, the real one. Uh, started, started him off as like a sweeper, almost, in the middle of a back three. And I think the reason for that is when you're thinking about how you get your most creative player into positions to create against a team who are going to... They're really aggressive um, North Macedonia are really aggressive, and, uh, and uh, like not as in actually, I, I mean man to man, they were quite yeah, they were mm. quite aggro. Yeah, and uh, they were up for it, is what you're saying. One hundred percent, they were right into it. Mm. Aggression twenty, and they were going fully into it. And I think with Alaba, if you put him in the back of that team, then suddenly you're he's basically a quarterback. If yeah. we're doing that. Little cliche, but that, that's the thing. He can then dictate play from there. But once you move him out left, I mean, as I think in my research before the tournament, I found that he was mostly playing on like the left of a four-two-three-one, so like left forward, so he can ping and cross us from that wide bit, and he can probably drop back in as a bit of a wing back as well. So you've got solidity. If you need it to come back and support, he can do that. But he can play anywhere in midfield. He can play pretty much anywhere across the back. He's got a sh good shot on him as well, and that's yeah, his cross for that goal very good so you want to put him in that position there but yeah tough tough a chest wiggle will solve it I expect yeah uh, we should also mention that uh, the Sabitzer to liner goal probably the best oh. of the tournament so far right 
Yeah, lovely, lovely. That that cushion volley from Lina is just is such a such a difficult skill. I mean, if we were to go outside and try and do that, I would probably need a hip replacement afterwards. Well, yeah, absolutely. But yeah. it's also it's because he's up in the air, and then in the last split second, his his knee lifts and his whole leg goes up, and like that's the bit where I would kick it up in the sky directly upwards because I wouldn't be able to control. Uh, you, the or pace. you would kind of miss it completely, and my leg would fall off. Your shorts would fall down. Yeah, something yeah. like that. Yeah, it would sure. just be. <laughs> I wouldn't be wearing shorts. Come on now. It wouldn't be your proudest moment, but it was. Um, it's amazing to be to be running that fast, to jump that high, and then to have the body control to steer it in. It's an amazing finish. Um, does anyone, maybe anyone, uh, people um, commenting would know what happened to Marco Anatovic? Why was he unhappy? Yeah, I mean, well, he's he not, was so he was so upset after he scored. He's not always like a. We don't know him as an even-tempered fellow, but he um, seemed particularly angry even for him the anger he gets the happier he is so it's like he doesn't know how to express (laughs) happiness give him a present he's like i hate i like this so much at one point one of his teammates was kind of choking him yeah to sort of calm him down and he wasn't having that and then he got angry with his teammate and it was this it looked like they were holding him back from an invisible person he was yeah he was going to go and attack somebody but no one it wasn't really obvious who he wanted to attack apart from everyone in the stadium yeah (laughs) yeah who knows well, let's talk about uh, uh, North Macedonia too. Um, as JJ said, they were up for it, weren't they? I know that's the worst mm. thing you can say that I actually said it, not you. But uh, that's, the, that's the worst cliche I could give uh, about a football team. But they were up for it. They and they had a great chest wiggle. And I yeah. did think that 3-1 was it was the right result in the end, but it's a little bit flattering for, for uh, Austria. I was surprised. In fact, our predictions before the game were a little bit split here too, weren't they? Seb, explain that to me because North Macedonia, this is their first... A tournament that they've qualified for. They are the lowest ranked team in the tournament. Why did you think they were going to draw? I'll be totally honest, Joe. Actually, I thought they were going to win. I just thought I would be the guy that made the clever prediction and hoped that it came off. I well, wanted attention. It's good I podcast content attention. right there, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. but uh, but also I, I don't know. I wasn't fully sold on Austria. I, I think maybe I've underestimated them because I, I read an awful lot about how negative they were. There's a bit of animus between their public and their team and the manager because... Um, they have some gifted creative players and, and playmakers and they don't use them. They are quite negative. Uh, I saw them get humiliated at home by Denmark not so long ago. And I they were better than I thought they were going to be. Um, but yeah, no, I still just wanted the attention. Yeah, I wanted to be the guy that put his hand up and said, wow, no, I saw that coming. Sure. Yeah. Well, speaking of teams that you underestimated, yes. uh, the Netherlands beat Ukraine yeah. 3-2. Mm. Lots and lots of energy. I would say possibly... Best game of the day. There's a shout for that. Uh, mixture, uh, JJ, of good and weird goals. Um, tell me about the Netherlands' strange, slow to fast build-up thing. That was what we were talking about mostly through the first half. Yeah. And as after you uh, told me it was happening, I noticed it and thought, I'm not really sure. I've seen, I can't remember seeing anything like that before. It's kind of weird. Well, it's um, Frank de Boer's thing he does with uh, the Netherlands, or, or what we call them, Holland. Holland, we're saying. He... Um, they, they build with the back three quite slowly. The ball comes out from the goalkeeper and they're quite slow. And then the, the opposition team doesn't seem to press them ever. And then they, <laughs> they just, they get closer to halfway line and then they launch it. So rather than going long from the start and then pushing their team up and, you know, building from there when the second ball go up, they push up until someone gets into position where they can then hit normally a diagonal ball, usually one of the wing backs. So you had uh, Dumfries and Van Anholt were getting really high up the pitch 
and Dumfries was involved. He had a, a couple of chances in the first yeah, half. Yeah, yeah, he, he scored. Obviously, one really good save from the goalkeeper as well. In that head, he's, yeah, 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 the goal yeah. to win it um, was great. But that's I, I'm not. Sure, I'm trying to work out why he he does this. We have a, a middle three of uh, Daron, Ronaldum, and uh, De Jong, who is brilliant by the way, and Bernaldum as well, fantastic. Mm. So they're kind of almost in the middle as like a <laughs> like a shield. They're kind of protecting it once the ball comes back, and then they can go with it. And uh, the the three that come forward get to near the halfway before they hit that long pass rather than going through the midfield. I guess teams trying to block the middle. But all you, yeah. yeah. Do you think Frank de Boer has, has realised that no one's pressing at the tournament and so they can get higher uh, chance long passes rather than just belting it from the back? Or No, I saw them do this against Scotland. I thought it was weird. I thought they were, yeah. I thought they were so poor against Scotland and they looked, looked um, not up for it. Um, so what was different in this game then? Because they seemed like there was a big spark about them. I think there's a bit of energy in the second half, especially that both teams had a bit of energy. I think. I mean, it did nearly fall apart. We should say. Yeah. That. <laughs> I mean, I thought like I thought Ukraine were going to get battered for a bit. The first, I think the first half I said to you, I think it was going to be like five nil or something like that. Yeah. And then obviously, whenever as soon as you say that, it starts to level out a bit. It's the inevitable thing about watching these games and saying that. Um, I, yeah, it was the, the energy of them. I don't know. I think uh, Wijnaldum and De Jong were, were, were really, really good. Yeah. And then he made a substitution in the second half and took off. Uh, it Daly Blind and Van Anhalt, I think, came off. And he put on Wijnaldum and Ake. That was the substitution, wasn't it? And it seemed to give a little bit of a change from there and Ukraine managed to get into it. I thought Zinchenko was good mm, for them, yeah. actually. Um, yeah, good choice of pass. And, yeah. Yeah, I can't... I thought Holland were going to be poor before this game because I'd seen them in my research and I thought the way they play is too slow and laboured and they launch it. It seems if you're going to build up, surely you want to build so you're in control of what you're doing rather than get there. But I guess they're finding the wing backs pushing up high so they can get them and it's a way to do it. But they were good for about 10 minute spells of this game. Yeah. Yeah, and it very nearly fell apart. I mean, it did fall apart. It was weird, wasn't it? I yeah. mean, do you think having seen the Netherlands now... We can expect some other high-scoring games, including them. I mean, Austria and Netherlands will be fun, right? You'd have thought so, although I, I still don't fully trust Austria. I mean, because it, they, it feels as if... That's the point, isn't it? <laughs> don't fully trust either team. No, but I mean, I don't, I don't fully trust Austria not to kind of revert to ah. what we believe is a kind of a negative default. Sure. Um, I don't know. I mean, I, 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 like, I think Holland are going to be fun because I don't think Holland or the Netherlands, um, we are getting conflicting comments on the, uh, on the live chat, um, I don't I think, think we're sticking we're sticking with the Netherlands, right? We will go with the Netherlands. That's okay. because we mentioned that on the podcast the other day and lots of Dutch people got in touch and said that they didn't mind that much but they would prefer that we said the Netherlands mm, and so that's what we're saying. The Netherlands it shall be. I don't think the Netherlands have the I don't think they have the tools to lock down a game. I think they have to keep playing and I think the kind of I think that was That the, makes for fun football. Well, that makes for fun football and that made for tonight's game because at 2-0 you could say right, well we're just going to uh go into a 4-5-1, lock up the game and see it out at 2-0. But they kept playing and they remained open and they concede silly goals because uh Virgil van Dijk isn't there and they have to keep going forward to compensate for that. So it'd be really interesting. I think it should be a good game. Yeah. I hope so. Yeah. Are you into the tournament? Have you been grand? Into the final? tournament, yeah. Yeah, I'm, yeah, I, yeah, 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 yeah. Because you've had a, you know, you didn't. I watched England play. You quite like that. I had a quite like dip that. in the middle of the day. I'll be honest. Oh, we, we've all I been will. out for quite a long time. I mean, sure, we've all had dips at different points. I forgot my lunch again. You know? Yeah, that was that is. You're going to hear more about that when you get home. I, well, think. I had a quiche that I was going to bring. I'll eat it later. Yeah, I will. Um, the closer to the TV you get, 
the better it seems to be. I agree yeah. with that. I, I mean, bet like people you listening have a great to watching pose for football. You're right underneath the TV. It's like you're in the stadium. Don't shout at me. The, la- <laughs> the last pose I found towards the end of the day. Right. Yeah, yeah really underneath the TV. TV. If it could be taller, that would be. F- if I could be higher up, that would help. Yeah. Can I say when I play video games at home, I play. I've got my PlayStation. Uh, like I plug it into my computer monitor. Yeah. And I sit. I've got a uh, a a, a thirty two inch uh, computer monitor mm. that I sit right in front of, and it's a bit curved. It's great. I bought it from off my friend. Um, but even though I'm a foot away from it, I can't lean back in my chair when I'm playing. Oh, no. I have to lean forwards and get too close. That's the meme, isn't it? If you're like this, and then obviously the mic can't hear me talking, but yeah. if, then you come in here when you get serious. Sure. But that's, yeah, if you're... It's, it's kind of the same with football. You get locked in. You need to be close, you need to be leaning in, you need to be focusing. It's, uh, I agree. And I was too far away in the middle of the day. We'll be back, though, after this. Hey, we're back. Look at that. That was quick. Uh, we're going to talk about some of yesterday's games too. So Switzerland and Wales. Let's talk about Braylon Bowler's effects on the game because he was he was great to watch. It seemed like, if I'm remembering correctly, that after the halftime, Braylon Bowler just uh, picked up the ball wherever he wanted on the pitch and then ran directly at the goal past about 10 players. Literally, it seems as if that over was, and over again. That was his halftime instruction. It surely must be just stop passing. Every time you get it, go as quickly as you can straight. And it was, it was amazing. I mean, it was, Mbale is one of those guys who, he's been around for a long time. We've known him since he was a Basel and there were very, very big things predicted for him. He's featured in a few sensible transfers. Well done, Alex, for suggesting him. Um, but you, you're never quite sure what you're going to get with him. I think yesterday was probably the first time I've seen him and thought, wow, you are a, you are a useful player. If you can consistently be that, you should be right at the top of the game. Not a kind of, it's not an, middling Bundesliga player but he's a he's just an above average one at the moment but that was super impressive and it it kind of whenever you get that player it's fascinating to see what effect it has on an opponent you just it's like um it's like a bowling a a 10-pin bowling ball down the lane and splitting all the pins because you just skittle all the all the players and the ones that are are left are kind of they're sucked in towards the ball because it's an impulse when when a player is running directly like that you don't want to back off you don't want to kind of Roger Johnson it you have to sort of back off. You have to you have to attack the ball. You get drawn into it, and it kind of it creates all these fractures, which can be taken advantage of elsewhere on the pitch. And it changed the dynamic of the game completely. Here's a comment I think you'll really appreciate, Seb, on, uh, from Gio Shando. Um, the second part of Gio Shando's comment reads: uh, As a Swiss fan watching, Seferovic is like walking on nails. <laughs> it's very nuts. Do, do people understand what I was getting at the other night when we when we, when we talked about it? It's Maybe. a he gets in lots of good positions. But he's kind of, he just gets in the way when he gets there. He's just, he can't, his technique is abysmal sometimes. It's, mm. it's, uh, so he's got a finite amount of attribute points to use, but he's used them all for he's movement used them and on, positioning. On like, you know, determination and, yeah. you know, adaptability or, you know, maybe stamina. And he, so needs, he keeps going, he keeps missing yeah. the chances. He's got the energy to keep doing it, but he, you know, he's um, ugly, ugly with the ball at his feet. I have, I have a theory about this tournament because there's in lots of the games we've seen lots of dribbling. And you know how football is obviously cyclical and we've gone from the tiki-taka World Cup win of Spain a while ago. It could be that we're going full. Um, this is very early to say this. I've only <laughs> seen... excited by what's yeah, coming. I can barely remember the games I've seen today. <laughs> but it, uh, maybe that's a thing where if you start dribbling at someone 1v1, they don't like it, especially if you're good at it. <laughs> like in Mbolo, the, the way he was able to do that I mean, it's practice makes sense, but Wales were sort of 
pressing with the forward five, then there's a big split to the other half of their team. So the back five plus the goalkeeper, there's a big divide between both of them. And that's, I think, exactly why halftime the manager said to him to, to run into that because he can. And you saw that he had a few players in the, the Holland, uh, Netherlands game earlier who were trying to do that as well. De Jong especially was driving Naldum through. Too, Naldum, yeah, yeah, yeah. Just driving. It makes it what a difference it does. Rather than breaking lines with a pass, you can do it by carrying the ball. I like it. I like it too. It's, yeah. it's, yeah. I like it three. Good for you. On Wales, yeah, even, check this out, ready for this. <laughs> even though there was more and more L, there wasn't an L, there was a D, yeah? Does that make sense? Not even a little bit. Loss and draw, more, more L, you know. Should have anyway, practiced that. the reason I wanted to talk about uh, Kiefer Moore, of course, big lad, big head. And he scored a goal with his head, lovely goal. Uh, and we made a video yesterday, it hasn't gone out yet, it'll go out shortly, uh, about set pieces, because both of the goals in this game came from set pieces, uh, despite Mbolo's uh, lovely runs. Um, and we consider them here to be the great leveller, don't we, JJ? Tell me more about that. The great leveller set pieces is because you can have a team full of players who play for the likes of Cardiff and Luton Town. Absolutely fine clubs. I have nothing against those clubs. But uh, you have to say that, not contractually, but for your own safety. <laughs> uh, yeah. So you can have them against players who play in Champions League and Premier League and whatever else. There are other leagues available. But if you, yeah, if you set pieces, you can, obviously if you're doing an attack and set piece, it's effectively out of a playbook. So you can choose how the play works and you can work out ways to deceive your opponent and make sure that your most valuable attacking players arrive in certain positions at the right time and delivery is good. You have a big advantage. The teams who are defending will largely have a, either a man marking system, a zonal, or a mixture of the both. It's usually a mixture of the both. And then they have to rely on knowing exactly where you're going to go and trying to block you and uh, those sorts of things. It just means you can have a big lad who, like, it's a, <laughs> it's a Sunday league game I played uh, once and uh, we, we did all right. We're playing a team, I'm playing for an Aberdeen team, we're playing against a team called London Scottish. There's a big lad at the back and I can't remember his name, he's a lovely boy, his name's Johnny actually, but he's a big lad. Like, he could play rugby, maybe as a prop or something. And uh, they would just hurl the ball into the box and he would <laughs> like sort of throw into it as though catapulted. <laughs> Like flung through the air, and he scored about eight goals. Doing I'm that. imagining him like beginning his run from like the edge of the center circle and just charging into the box. <laughs> just you couldn't do anything about it because regardless mm. of how good they were with the ball, they can play with the ball on the ground. You put the ball in the in the mixer, yeah, and then that gives you a thing. I mean, it's a bit more um, sophisticated. Well, I was, I was no, I think it was. I was going to say, I was going to make that point because you're absolutely right. Big lad, run at the ball, but also big lad, run at the ball, clever way. Wales's goal was actually yeah. it was a really smart set piece, and it was. I mean, when we were talking about it at the time when we were watching, they basically uh, played it, played the corner around every Switzerland player. There was no danger of the ball going anywhere near a Swiss player yeah. during that whole set piece, and the glancing sort of front post uh, header. It was beautiful. Lovely, lovely well, stuff. Well, makes the run across the defenders because uh, Joel rolled on, moves away around the side of the defenders. <laughs> so he <they laughs> tracks them away. So rolled on, takes them away, which gives Moore <laughs> the opportunity to run across front post and head in. And the, the, the other good part about it was that normally you have a short corner, so you'd have... <laughs> oh, it's so funny. Pull it together, boys. Sorry. No, a short corner, you'd have... Um, <laughs> The ball goes short and then he's just ping it in. But you had Joe Morrill, who's one of these players that plays for a, a lower league team, Luton Town, who I think are in the championship, aren't they? Yeah, they are indeed. Yeah. They are indeed. So then he just attacks it first of all. Yeah. It's like that whole thing is a routine. 
that has been prepared. Uh, yeah. It's almost unfair, isn't it? Because if you if you execute that right, you don't really, there's no point at which watching that back, there's no point at which a Swiss defender is really in a position to stop it. I think Fabian Scher was, I think he was the one that was loose and I think his his job was almost like, was like front near post zone and the rest of them are all man marking, but he could see that there was three. So I think, I'm, I think it's Scher, I might be wrong, but he kind of goes out to close down one of the runners and realizes there's, there's three outside the box, not two like he normally thinks. And he has to come back in in case the ball comes to the front zone. By the time he's done that, it's already there and moves ahead of him. Would that be part of the design to kind of baffle him? I don't know. They might have looked at how Switzerland set up um, their defensive set plays. So that could be, I don't mean, they've got a team of analysts, I think, at Wales would have looked at exactly this and how they defend and what they can take advantage of. So if they're man-to-man and they know they've got one guy in the front post, you always want someone at the front post, I think, that zone to get rid of that. But if then you, you're that guy and you suddenly see there's all these loose players, you don't, it, I think that moment of hesitation where you're not sure what to do, that's yeah. what you take advantage of. Yeah. And it might just be that they got the timing exactly right. It might be that Murta spotted something that, no, I think it was a routine. I think the routine, yeah. A great leveller, ish. Very much so. What do you reckon is chances in the group? <sighs> I don't know because I love the set piece. Uh, I'm not sure I saw enough of them as a, wasn't convinced by Bale. Mm. Didn't look quite fit. Ramsey, we said at the time, strangely anomalous. Anomalous? Anonymous. Yeah. Mm. Anomalous. Anomalous result in chemistry. Sure. When you do an experiment and there'd be, you plot your graph, you plot your graph. Okay, you dig that hole. There. Keep digging. Yeah. Go deeper. He was anonymous. Work. So also I'd like to see them play David Brooks a little bit more. We had some, uh, we had some co- pretty fierce conversation about Daniel James yesterday. Yeah. We wanted him to be a little bit nastier when on the pitch, not just angry when he was Not just when he was off. coming off. Yeah. Brooks is a lovely footballer. He's had his, uh, his last couple of years of his career ruined by injury, but he's a footballer in capital letters. Mm. He likes the ball. He can pass the ball. He sees angles and avenues that other players don't get him on the pitch so if they're going to play him i think of wales differently to the wales that includes daniel james and just wants to break with pace that's right yeah. and we'll be brooksing till the end we shall be hopefully yeah hopefully so okay um finland won nil denmark obviously this game was overshadowed by the horrific incident with uh, christian Eriksen. and we are delighted today to hear that he is okay which has made sp- certainly my day uh, significantly better um but as a result that we just don't have any analysis for the game. We're looking forward to watching these teams play their next games. And uh, obviously, we will keenly analyse whatever comes next. Uh, but for now, all of our best wishes to Christian Eriksen. And we will move on to talk about Belgium 3, nil Russia. An amazing depth uh, to Belgium's attack, Seb. Yeah, well, I mean, the the two obvious ones are uh, Eden Hazard didn't start the game. And we think, 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 think that uh, Kevin De Bruyne will play in the second game. He's in Belgium at the moment having his, um, whatever you do to a facial injury like that. Just, I don't know. Mask on. Putting a mask on. Maybe. But so players who started yesterday, Carrasco, Mertens, Hazard, Dendonka, Mernier, they could be replaced by De Bruyne, Hazard, and potentially Chadley. and you just think this is a like a really nice dynamic in that in that team because if you've got players that are, are experienced in tournaments but are also competent and good enough to get through group stages and good enough to be better than inferior opponents, you're in good shape. Um, in many ways, actually, you, you know, Belgium, Belgium and, and England, not to bring it round back to England, but they're in kind of similar positions because there's a huge amount of attacking talent in both sides um, and a few doubts about defence. So they're kind of... Um, not quite mirror images of each other, but they've got some um, some similar strengths and weaknesses. But I like Belgium. Lukaku was great. Really, really good. Like I, JJ and I were having a conversation about this yesterday. 
Um, and it feels like a lot of people have said that, right, like the Lukaku who left Manchester United, who left England and who turned up in and have, have dominated in Italy are the same player. I don't really agree. Like I think there's been huge improvements to his first touch, which looks excellent. His finishing has, has definitely, you know, come from a, a 14 to an 18 in football manager parlance. I like it. Yeah, thank you. Um, and he looks he looks like a player does when he becomes, when he has the entire faith of his coach. Like I've always thought that Lukaku is someone that needs to be loved a bit, needs to be appreciated and respected. And I don't think that was always the case in England, certainly not towards the end of his time at Manchester United. Mm. And he looks fantastic. I think that you're going to do well as a defence to get through a game without him scoring, I think. Yeah. Okay, well, <clears throat> it feels like we'll have a lot more time to talk about Belgium in sure the future yeah. of the tournament. It's coming home. Uh, here's a great comment from uh, Wandering Propeller. Uh, tournament of the big man up top, question mark. We've got Lukaku, Moore and Weghorst with decisive contributions today. I saw a, and apologies, I didn't see the uh, the name of the commenter, but I saw a, is this going to be the era of they don't like it football? <laughs> Which is the Brie Bolo. Sure. Is, yeah, maybe. Sure. Hope so. I was going to say, I read that one aloud so I could say to Wandering Propeller, I'm wondering if a Wandering Propeller has access to your Google Doc because I believe we've got the Tournament of the Big Man down as a potential video idea. We sure do. Also, we've got, um, well, we've got a, a video coming out tomorrow which is all about Calvin Phillips. Uh, our dear, dear friend Alex Stewart wrote it and it is really super. Mm-hmm. I hope people enjoy that. It's coming home. Okay, we've got uh, only one thing left to do now, which is to talk about the prediction score. Oh, now, yeah. listen, this is oh, this is going to need a little bit of setting up here uh, because it's it's not that complicated. It's just something that I know Seb personally has struggled to get his head around. Mm-hmm. So I want to explain it to people um, just in case he is a, a, a sort of good average example of people out there. He's, he's not. He's far stupider. Um <laughs> Essentially, the game works in this way, right? We all make scoreline predictions for every result. For example, I believe that I suggested that England would beat Croatia 4-1. Now, that was a lively suggestion and a poor one uh, because whilst they did win, they only won by one goal. Now, it doesn't matter that I got the outcome right. That's irrelevant here. All we're doing is looking at the the differential value between my prediction in terms of the scoreline and the actual scoreline. Let's work it back, boys. I said four to England. They only scored one. Therefore, that's three away. Three points. Points are bad. We don't want them. We don't hmm? want points. I said Croatia would score one. They didn't score one. They scored none. And therefore, that's another point. Points are bad. You don't want them. Therefore, I earned four points for that. And again, points are bad. You don't want them. Uh, that was a big mistake from me. Uh, but I'm happy to say, JJ, that even though you're looking pained at my description, <laughs> you are winning the game so far. Oh, that's good. You only have 10 bad points. I have 10 points. So, so like we were saying earlier, it's like a bit like golf. The lower score will win. It's like that's golf. Exactly. Yeah. That's a better way of describing it. And I had it? a hole in one today. Did well, I? you actually had a hole in one yesterday because Correct. you're oh. the only person to have corrected a scoreline uh, predicted the score absolutely correctly, and that was Wales, Switzerland. You said 1 1, and it was 1 1. Oh, wow. So, so you've got zero bad got points. Zero points. No yeah. bad points okay. there at all. You're absolutely right. Uh, Alex is next, as expected, on 13. And then alphabetically, I'm third, just ahead of our big loser for this, uh, this day. Uh, I'm on 16. And Seb, you're also on 16. I believe uh, you, had, you added a lot of bad points today. Yeah, no, I, I, I didn't have a good day. I had Ukraine winning. Um, I had North Macedonia winning. Yeah. Yeah. Mm, I also yeah. had England not winning. 
Sure. So, yes, not a good day. Just to say, if it was about results, uh, outcomes, I should say. You've also tallied that up, have you? I'd be winning. That's all I'll say. Um, anyway, that's the end of uh, today's podcast. I think I've missed anything, have I? Do I think so? Road on. <laughs> Road on. Road on. Uh, thanks to the people who are watching us live on YouTube. If I haven't already mentioned that, we're streaming all of these podcasts live on YouTube. Uh, on the TIFO IRL YouTube channel, uh, we start, uh, roughly speaking, after the last game of the day, uh, or sometimes 20 minutes after that, if we're a bit slow getting the plan together. Um, also, you are, of course, able to download this podcast episode audio only uh, wherever you choose to, to download your podcast. So uh, please do that. Thank you to JJ Bull. Thank you, Joe. To Seb Stafford-Bloor. Thank you, Joe. To Don and Sol, our uh, handy team here in the studio right now. They can see somebody's hand. That's Don's hand. And we'll be back tomorrow with all of this again and more. Not more, just the same again. See you then. Bye.